Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode three of Healing the Nations, our podcast dealing with religious liberty, current events, end time events, and various social issues in the context of the Third Angel's message. I'm your host, Peter Chung, and today we have a very special guest. We have Elder Dwayne Lemon, who travels all around the world preaching the Three Angels' messages, and he just completed a series here at the Mentone Seventh Avenue Church, where we are at right now on a powerful series on Righteous by Faith that we look forward to seeing an audio verse soon. Elder Lemon, thank you so much for joining us. Amen. So glad to be here, Brother Peter. The privilege is ours. Elder Lemon, can you tell us a little bit about your ministry? Sure. Um, you know, I'm privileged to be in ministry with my family, and that includes my wife and my four children, Jared, Kayla, Caleb, and Jada, my wife Alexandra. We make up a ministry called PTH Ministries, a Bible-based ministry of preaching, teaching, and healing. Now, Elder Lemon, you travel all around the world conducting seminars, evangelistic series, training sessions on various topics from medical missionary work, end-time events. Oh, yeah. And I find that you're very versatile in your subject matter. They can't box you in. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but as someone who's very well studied in end-time events, what religious liberty issues do you see today in the news and in current events? Oh, my. Well, we can clearly see that there are things happening in our world, in our country, that are true agitations. So we see that even when a natural disaster or a terrible uh, act of violence takes place, that it somehow finds its way, as far as the political world, going in the direction of attacking, ultimately, certain rights that we have, constitutional rights, amendments, and so on. So you can see that connection that's taking place even with some of the most recent events. Now, recently, we've just witnessed a horrific tragedy of the shooting in Las Vegas where many innocent people were killed because of firearms and there have been more and more calls for gun control even within the church and outside the church and various social media platforms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have a couple questions on that issue. Yeah. First off, I want to ask, what do you think our position should be with firearms? Should we as Adventists carry firearms? And the second question is, there's been calls to change or to modify the Second Amendment. What repercussions do you see of the call of changing the Second Amendment to religious liberty in end-time events? Okay, well, one of the things we need to understand is that God has made it very clear that He is our refuge, He is our strength, and He's a very present help in trouble, according to Psalms 46, 1 and 2. And therefore, God is our protection. He has all the ability to keep us from the dangers that we see taking place in our society. Now, obviously, if you're in the country or something like that and you live where there's a lot of mountain lions and bears and so on, sure, there may be a place or a case where you may, uh, you know, see the need to have some type of firearm to keep the animals at bay from maybe your gardens or possibly even endangering precious little children or what have you. But when we think about the general rule of protecting ourselves, especially from the acts of men, God has shown us from his words that he is our protection and that we don't need to succumb to weapons perhaps even of some level of mass destruction or force in order to protect and keep our families. So that's pr principle number one. Principle number two is that when you look at religious liberty, when you see these movements taking place that, again, when we look at the amendment, when we look at the Constitution, these are precious rights that are followed along with the two horns that was seen in Revelation 13 as it relates to that 
beast that had two horns like a lamb. And, you know, republicanism and protestantism, these freedoms that we were able to have, which is expressed through our constitutional rights and the amendments, they're very precious to us, and they should be to all Seventh-day Adventists. Therefore, when we see that calamities and extreme uh, activity is taking place in our world in the name of violence, and yet when these horrific events take place, instead of us dealing with the root cause, which is the unconverted heart, the evil of men's hearts, we begin to go to government to try to get them to take away slowly but surely our amendments and take away our constitutional rights. We need to understand that we're buying into the hands of the enemy that ultimately is laying up a plan by which Revelation 13 will become officially live and become a real means of persecution to the people of God. In Great Controversy, page 442, paragraph 1, mm -hmm. the Spirit of Prophecy says that a description of the voice of the dragon, of the lamb-like beast, is that of intolerance or the spirit of intolerance. That's right. Do you see the spirit of intolerance in this nation more and more today? More than ever. And this is one of the things, again, that... Uh, we see that President Trump, you know, though he be one that I do pray for and that I do ask God to touch and reach his heart, that he might receive the gospel, I also have to recognize that he has brought an atmosphere to the American populace by which he is saying whatever you are feeling, whatever it is that is concerning you, don't be afraid to hold it back. Forget all the political correctness. Go ahead and unleash a lot of these bigotries and all of these points of intolerance that we have in our hearts, it's time to unleash it. It's time to let it out. And this is what we're seeing now, even in the cultural world with black and white issues and police brutality, etc. And then, of course, even uh, our bigotries and our prejudices towards our Muslim brothers and going to the extreme of saying we are tired of all of this radical activity and we are now prepared to punish individuals by trading our freedom for safety. This is playing into the hands of the enemy. How can we as a church address the spirit of intolerance? What can we do to minister in this climate of intolerance today? This is the opportunity for us to give the gospel like never before. When we look at the gospel, we see a God who exists in heaven, who was so willing to send his son to die on behalf of wicked sinners like you, like me, and like all of us. And yet, when God was willing to do that, his love was able to overshadow the spirit of intolerance. God's love was saying, though he cannot tolerate sin, he loves the sinner. And hence, God had to create a plan by which he can deal with the sin issue and get rid of that while he can deal with the sinner issue and save the sinner and draw him to his heart. And so it is that this is what we should be looking to do as a church is, yes, we need to address the evils from the root standpoint, which is sin. Because the world and politics, they're never going to deal with the issue of sin. You cannot legislate evil. If you take a man's gun away from him, he'll just use a knife. You take his knife away, he's going to use a bow and arrow. You take his bow and arrow away, he's just going to use martial arts or some other means of killing. So the killing is going to continue. What we need to do is deal with the root issue, which is the dealing with sin. And so the gospel is the solution to this problem because it shows us how to deal with the sin issue in our country, but at the same time, knowing how to eradicate the sin through the righteousness of Christ and yet also being able to save the sinner at the same time. And it requires a patience and an endurance and a long-suffering where we are not, quote-unquote, intolerant 
but rather we are long-suffering patient, willing to redeem souls. You have had success reaching out to Muslims. Absolutely. And you have had success reaching out to evangelical Christians. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit more about these experiences, how you were able to minister to these groups in this climate of intolerance? Sure enough. Um, you know, when I look at my Muslim brothers, there's a lot we have in common. Obviously, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam all scale back to Abraham. So there is a point where we all can reason together one with another, and we can find a place of commonality between one another. So what I have found is that Muslims believe in health, they believe in health principles, etc. So we would do health meetings, we would do different health teachings in the public. And when we would do that, many would come out of all sorts of faith, including Islam. And when you would teach these things, especially if they hear you teach about uh, how the pig is an unclean animal and these type of things and it shouldn't be consumed because of the trichinosis and parasites, etc. When they hear that, they are amazed and they're like, wow, we didn't know that there's a group of Christians that even think like this. So we find a common ground and then from that, if they're dealing with sickness and disease, we can go to their homes and we can go ahead and show them a way that they can live that by the grace of God, they can overcome their ailments, and it is God, the creator of heaven and earth, the heavenly father of Abraham, that was able to provide the healing virtue that they needed. In like manner, this is how we began to reach many in the first day churches. We were doing the same exact principles, because one thing that's rising for sure, along with intolerance, is disease. People are getting sick, and they know that we are still dead last of the 11 uh, rich countries in the world, when it comes to healthcare. So people are getting tired of being sick and tired. They're looking for a solution. So we come and we show them true health reform, biblical principles, true science with the love of God. And people are getting well. And as a result of that, it's a lot easier to get them open to hear what you have to say, even the distinct messages. As an African-American mm -hmm. in the Seventh Avenue Church, yep. You have had success reaching out to a worldwide audience of various nationalities, various races, be it white, black, Asian. That's correct. Mm -hmm. How are you able to accomplish that in having such a diverse audience in your ministry? You know, one of the things I love about Jesus is that when he walked on this earth, he broke down the racial barriers. He broke down the various points of bigotry and culture. And he was able to bring a message that was relevant to all people, regardless of what nation, kindred, tongue, or group they were a part of. I desire, personally, uh, to have that kind of mindset and lifestyle and ministry reflected in me and in my home and in my family. And so what we have done is we have, number one, we have accepted what Acts 17.26 says, that we all come of one blood. Okay, And therefore, I never go into a place intimidated, whether I'm around my black or brothers and sisters or African-American uh, or Caucasian or Asian or whatever it may be. I honestly look at all of these individuals as brothers and sisters. We are all of one blood and we all have one heavenly father. And as a result of that genuinely coming with this spirit, I have found that it has actually touched people's hearts that they have accepted and they are willing to say, you know what? Um, we want to hear what you have to say. And there's, there's a total openness to it. So I'm very grateful for that. Do you see the spirit of intolerance within the church as well? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Definitely. Let me give you an example. Recently, I ran into a very prominent theologically conservative Adventist blog mm -hmm. that professes, dare we say, present truth, quote-unquote, 
I won't say the name. Okay, all right. They also write articles on global warming, that it's a fallacy. And also they had a recent article on the Dreamer Act or the recent revocation of the Dream Act or DACA where undocumented immigrant children that were brought to the United States as a child have their uh, statuses in question, saying that it was a good thing that that program was revoked. Mm -hmm. What do you think of conservative avenues being more and more conservatively political or political in general? Volume 5 of the Testimonies to the Church talks about the superficial conservative class. And God has never called us to be neither liberal or conservative. He's called us to be Christians in our heart. And that's one of the issues, is that sometimes these conservative class of individuals uh, get to a place where they reveal the superficiality of their conservatism, and we begin losing the principles of the gospel. How in the world can we profess the present truth of this time and at the same time stand in agreement that we're going to go to a group of young uh, Mexican children and say to them that, you know, whatever dreams or goals or objectives you've had, if you don't get your act together or if you don't have certain documentation or what have you by a period of time, we're going to just send you out and dismiss you and send you back home and not allow you to enjoy the freedoms that exist in America that you can grow and that at least if you went back to your country, you can go back as a benefact, as one who can benefit the country. That would be wiser. So I don't understand how someone can really stand for that principle and at the same time understand that the Bible talks about of one blood. In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, uh, male nor female, circumcision or any uncircumcision. We are one in Christ. And so if an individual has, is in a country where it's disadvantaged, where it is desperately poor, and there are no solutions, and now they come to America, and America provides them an opportunity to learn, to get educated, to become empowered, to become industrious. Well, there's some gospel principles in that. We were all bound in sin. We were stuck. We were in a messed up condition. Thank God, because of his grace, he came along and said, listen, I'm willing to allow you to become citizens of heaven. I'm going to allow you to be educated. I'm going to show you principles that can enrich you and empower you. And when you get it, go tell others that are in the same condition that you were in and show them how they can be made free. Those are biblical principles. So if we now see on a cultural national level that there are people coming into our country looking for help, knowing that they're in a destitute, helpless situation, and we can help, but because of certain bigotries and because of an atmosphere that's being created and, and heated throughout America that, you know, these people got to go, etc., you know, this is not representing of the gospel. And so truly, that group merits the term superficial conservative class if they would dare take such a stand as that. Should Seventh-day Adventists be involved in active and partisan politics to align themselves openly to a political party? You know, I don't read anything in the Bible or in the spirit of prophecy that encourages us to become uh, a part of these various parties because there are many biases, there are many contradictions, and there's a whole lot of confusion. You know, we often act as if we're going to be in this world a lot longer than God desires us to be here. We are citizens of heaven. We are pilgrims passing through. And so when it comes to the Republic Party or the Democratic Party, we have to assess why is it that you would want to be part of either one of these things? What is it that inspiration says on some of these things? Like we know that we don't vote for people. We vote on issues, but we don't vote for people. 
And therefore, we don't vote the Republican Party or we don't vote the Democratic Party because there's flaws in both of them. And what we don't want to do is encourage the mindset that says, you know what? A little bit of evil and a little bit of good. We don't want the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We want the tree of life. That's all that we want. And so it is that when we think about the political parties, if there's a mixture of good and evil, then the question is, why would you join such a party? It's only going to create confusion. We need to understand the distinctiveness of our Christianity, and we need to stand on that banner, the banner of Christ, that the only principles that we advocate is not merely the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, but it's the party of Christ, the group, the representation of Jesus and his principles and how those are to be lived out in our society today. Final question. Mm -hmm. I know you need to head on to a hotel near the airport to prepare to go home. Yeah. I know that you need to fly early in the morning the next day to go back to the East Coast. Sure. What is the vital message for this time that we as an Advent movement should declare to promote and to minister so that we could have healing of the nations? Christ, our righteousness. This world is gearing up to ultimately demonstrate either the righteousness of man is right or the righteousness of Christ is right. And under the banner of the third angel's message, we are to represent to the world what true righteousness looks like. What true righteousness looks like, not only amongst our friends, but even amongst our enemies. That we know that even when someone is a threat to us, even when someone uh, appears to be a persecutor to us or what have you, we will learn how to even demonstrate the perfect character of God by loving our enemies and praying for those that persecute us, just like Jesus did. The great solution to the problems that are happening in our society is understanding that when Christ came, he did not come to simply break down racial barriers or break down, you know, various cultural barriers. Christ came that he could show us how to live a life above sin, knowing that sin is the reason why we have racial problems. Sin is the reason why we have mass murders. Sin is the reason why we have terroristic activities. Sin is the reason why all of these things are taking place. And so God was a bottom line God with a bottom line message. The gospel deals with the sin problem. And when we deal with the sin problem, we deal with the racial problem. We deal with the cultural differences. We deal with all of these other things. And this is what is encased in the third angel's message, bringing a true communion with God, understanding we are living in a time of judgment, and therefore drawing so close to him that his character is perfectly reflected in us, and we let the world see that in contrast to the traditions and the commandments of men that are being purported more and still more, and where all these agitations are ultimately leading to, that people will see that the way of Jesus is the best way for the child of God to follow. This is the solution, Christ our righteousness. Elder Lemon, I want to thank you so much. I know your time is most valuable. Oh, yeah. And for graciously sacrificing your time to join us in this podcast. No problem. I know at the end of the meetings here at Mento, and I know there was a lot of people wanting to talk to you afterwards and ask a lot of questions. And thank you so much, Elder, for your time. Oh, yeah. And as we conclude this podcast, can you say a word of prayer for us? Sure, sure. Loving Father, we are always grateful to have the privileges to unite our minds with you and then to unite our minds one with another. 
I pray for all of those who will be listening that we will realize that the gospel is the wonderful simplifier of life's problems and that every decision that we make, that we will always make those decisions based on that gospel principle of true love, true righteousness, the power of God that gives us victory over sin and teaches us how to have a faith that is impenetrable no matter how hard the persecutions come. Lord, we pray that this might be our experience at last. And as we get ready to go through this final scenes of Earth's history, may we be counted amongst those that will say, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. Keep us faithful to this end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Elder. All right. God bless you.